0: On this episode of DLN Extend, we talk about what contributions Ubuntu has made to Linux. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 43 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community, from places like the DLN discourse forums, Telegram groups, Discord servers, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. So, with me today, and we are down a photographer, but with me, as always, is the person with the most unhealthy obsession with OpenSUSE, I know.
1: <laughs> almost, no, almost unhealthy. Totally, totally unhealthy <laughs> well it's good to be here as always matt i i enjoy our conversations who else who else can i disagree with and smile on my face at the same time i'm sure plenty <laughs> of people <laughs> that's true there's, there's several of those not so much the smile though touche
0: so nate what have you been up to this
1: week though well lots of little things i have been uh Looking at doing a project, so I have I have an elderly mother, and she is you know the winter years of her life, as it were, and she has all these CDs of of different things she likes to listen to, and so she has like a stack of CDs and an old like 1990s looking boombox thing, and frankly, it's uh well I think the, the term we like to do is you know kludgy kludgy. It, it's a uh, for her to do it because she's you know she's older and shaky, she's you know wheelchair bound and everything else, so it's difficult for her to you know manage this. So I uh, I was doing. I wasn't even actively searching this out, but I stumbled upon this Arduino powered dementia friendly media player. Now my mother does not have dementia, but she's a little bit technologically impaired, you know, as it were, not a fan of technology. Although she is the one that first taught me how to use a Commodore 64, you know, back in the eighties. So what, 10 years ago, media player, it's very simple. It's like Arduino, it's Arduino powered. And it has this little, um, this mini MP3 module players, DF player that you wire into it. And what it does is it makes you, – you put uh, the files on, this, on an SD card and uh, use a little rotary encoder and you know, potentiometer to adjust volume, rotary encoder to, like, change uh, channels. So think of it like a radio-type interface, two knobs. And so she could turn uh, – what I can do then is rip her CDs to the SD card, and then if she wants to listen to different CDs, she just turns the rotary knob, and it goes to the different tracks or whatever. And just have it randomly go through whatever tracks are on the, on the, um, on the SD card. You can divide it by folders. So, like, each – essentially, as you turn the knob, it would go to a different folder – in the uh on, on the fc card and so this is i just stumbled upon it this week and so i i ordered the parts i needed today to build one i already got an arduino uno to to prototype it on and i guess some other you know little uh little controllers that i can use instead but um but so I'm, I'm going to put this thing together uh so that she can have like a little old timey kind of radio as far as interface goes and then be able to enjoy whatever tunes she wants to enjoy you know right next to her bed or when, when she's in a wheelchair or whatever. So that's, that's what I have going on. I'm kind of excited about it. It's all open source. All the modules are open source. The software is open source. I'll probably make some modifications and you know submit it up. Or I'll, uh, at least I'll have it on my GitHub because you know, I'll use that thing. Try and improve upon it. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe eventually put like a little display on there. So I'm, I'm going to build at least one but I'll probably build another one just to kind of continue to play with it because it, it might be something I can iterate on. But, uh, but that's what I have going on. And I'm kind of excited about it. I think I, I told my mom about it yesterday and she uh, she, was actually, she was pretty excited about the idea. She's like, "Oh, good! I wouldn't have to mess with the the CDs." So, uh, oh, so cool. we're gonna move her from, yeah, so we're gonna move her from the from the '90s to uh, to today. It'll be great. Could have answered Whoa. a whole five years. No, all the gonna... was '90s. <laughs> I can't remember.
0: Thirty-one years ago, Nate. Uh
1: uh-uh. uh Nope. Mm-mm. Not. Ha- nope. Mm-mm. I can't. I can't. I can't go with that.
0: <laughs> well, you're gonna have to because <laughs> rea- reality would t- t- tell you otherwise. Just
1: saying. Mm, yeah, that time thing. It's so weird. So, Matt. What do you have going on?
0: I have been messing around yet again with the PinePhone.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: actually, I tried not newer, like not the newest version. Um, a, a newer version of uh, Luna OS, which is WebOS, basically. Okay, uh, just the open source version. Not gonna lie, the improvements that have been made since the last time I had, like fully used it. Have been really nice. Like they fixed a lot of stuff that there was a lot of issues before, and not so much anymore. Um, things like screen dimming actually works now, whereas before. Oh, you, nice. Whereas before, that's a luxury you, right there. <laughs> before, what would happen is the screen would dim, but it's almost to the point you you can't even see really the screen. So, like the the backlight's just basically off or almost off. Um, that's been fixed. So. You you use the slider in the actual um, OS works perfectly fine. Wi Fi still a bit hit or miss. At least on for me, it could be some of my own network stuff. So I'm not. I I try not to judge the Wi Fi based solely on like just my experience.
1: Well, um, frankly, you haven't. You have a chronic issue with Wi Fi. You complain about it in the OpenSUSE installer, and now you complain about it in Luna. OS. I was, I was Pro- it's probably a Matt thing.
0: I've been enjoying it. Um, I still think. Ubuntu Touch is the preferred OS right now for the PinePhone. Loon OS has come a long way. Uh, the cameras don't, like, it's the typical story that you hear with the PinePhone. Like, the cameras don't work and that kind of stuff. But as far as OSs that I want to see where they go, it's really Luna OS and UbiPorts <clears throat> Ubi Ports or Ubuntu Touch. Like those to me are like the two. Like okay, these are really cool, and uh, they're the ones that are the best probability of success on that kind of hardware. Because you know we we talk about companies, you know, doing open hardware and open you know open source phones and all the other stuff, and we want Linux powered phones. Well, we got the Linux powered phone. How about we you know start getting into that supporting the linux powered os's that are already there as opposed to re-implementing the work like certain other players have done
1: right i'd like to see like a touch does work very well and I, I am pleased with that though i don't know if you saw it on twitter today or maybe it was yesterday i can't remember now but there has been another release for the open SUSE version of that so guess who bought a 64 gigabyte sd card your kids <laughs> yes no me but the um I have, yeah, Sh- I just bought I just, they just came in the mail, because I was playing, I knew this was going to happen, I knew, I knew they were working on it, and I saw an earlier post, and I wasn't really interested in the Posh user interface, although I will try it, so I have two uh, 64 gigabyte SD cards, I'm going to, I downloaded the, one of the images, I can't remember which was, one. One, one of the, uh, not, not the Posh one, but the other one, um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, I think it's a, it's plasma based. I'm I'm quite sure. No plasma mobile. Yeah, I'm quite sure it is. I could be wrong, but that's what I read, and I read it very quickly. But they, um, but yeah, they have images available as of today, and I am going to be uh, getting those going. But they have, okay. uh, so I, in fact, when we're done talking today, the Plamo and Fosh, I guess not Posh, but yeah. So I'm downloading those so, so I can give those go, give those a whirl because I'm really excited about seeing how. How how it works, but you know, it'd be nice to just see. You know, nothing against the uh, Ubiports or Loon or anybody else, but there's something about that chameleon that just (laughs) kind of brings that smile to my face, and I really, I really just can't get away from it.
0: Yeah,
1: even that chameleon. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) It's an almost. I read it is an almost unhealthy obsession.
0: It it has now fully blown into what I have been (laughs) saying—an unhealthy obsession. All right, fine. But no, that's pretty much what I've been up to. So, other than that, not a whole lot on the computing front. So,
2: this episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites. Quickly and easily. Simply point your GitHub repositories and let the app platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, Static Sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs all of their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with any other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes. Providing a smoother migration path, so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener to DLN Extend podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a one hundred dollar credit when you go to do.co/dln. Again, go to do.co/dln to get started with your one hundred dollar credit on top of DigitalOcean's. New app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend.
0: So speaking of contributions and Nate contributing to helping his mom getting into the the newer century, and me <laughs> oh, me always jumping around on the pine phone. And contributing to my distro hopping ways, just on a new platform. Let's talk about Ubuntu's contributions
1: to Linux. When Ubuntu first came on on the uh, on the scene, some well, two thousand four, I think it was two thousand three, sometime two thousand four. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really a fan of Ubuntu. I didn't care. It was like it was Debian based. And I just didn't. I just didn't care. But I find now, now that I'm I'm I've grown up and I'm a little more mature and I've I've intermingled in other Linux communities or in lots of communities. I have to say, I am so impressed with Ubuntu's contributions to the open source ecosystem. I don't mean just Linux, but just open source software, software accessibility, uh, so many things that they've they've done that has actually has made my life so much better. And also, uh, getting to know people in the Ubuntu communities, you know, like the the Martin Wimpress and the Alan Pope's, who've really actually inspired me to do more in Linux, to do more knowledge exploration. And I know that's not really directly. Uh, uh, um, Ubuntu and Canonical's contribution, I mean, it is in a way, they've been such an enormously important piece of the whole Linux puzzle, in in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Canonical, as for all the flack they will get, and Ubuntu as a project have helped Linux desktop in ways people don't ever really seem to realize, I think. Um, the the thing I remember is, you know, I may I remember installing Sled 10, like Sled 10.0, you know, all, all those, you know, OpenSUSE 10 and all the other stuff. They were all right, but they didn't have a focus on like the, the quote-unquote normies, you know, normal, People, what, what was Ubuntu's original thing? Linux for everyone, or Linux for yep. uh, for humans? And le, like le, Linux for humans. That's kind of what they did. You know, the the original thing was, uh, well, if you're using Ubuntu, you're too stupid to install Debian. Basically, ironically enough, Debian is now getting to the point where they're debating whether or not they they can even install their own OS. <laughs> <laughs> based on you know their principles and stuff in fairness. But Ubuntu and Canonical, because they they go hand in hand, have made desktop Linux more known to the general computer audience. You know, a little the little more tech savvy people, but not the people like you and me and who are like Uber enthusiasts for tech. And that is something that was needed. Because it helped kind of break away from the, you know, Linux is this hackery OS that you always see. Because NVIDIA was demonstrating something on one of their platforms for, I think it was AI. And on the on the the projector, you ended up seeing like the the Unity interface get thrown up, and, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. They're like the most power, yeah. their most powerful GPU on the most powerful platform, or something along those lines. And <laughs> so you see a Unity picture. I'm like, all right, that that kind of thing, it, like those little things, that kind of marketing matters. It really does. So for me, there's been more than enough contributions from Canonical that I don't think people realize. One of them for me was actually the 100 Paper Cuts initiative, which was literally focused solely on fixing the desktop.
1: Now, I was was never really a big uh, Ubuntu desktop user, so that didn't directly affect me like immediately, but what it did do is it really raised the standard for desktop's desktops. I'm a KDE user, so it didn't really directly affect me. And but what it did do is it, it kind of it it set the standard. It raised the standard for the other desktops. You know, they saw it was something to look at and say, well wow, they've they've really fixed that. How can we use that, you know, in our you know in our world, you know, as it were. I will say that I I appreciated all those different initiatives that they took that absolutely, absolutely helped me out. So I you know I know that Unity Desktop was held up for a long time as you know such a a great desktop and it wasn't really my, it was my, not my favorite paradigm, but there are things like the, um, before Unity, there wasn't the, that that K launcher thing in Plasma. I don't know if that was inspiration from it. And someone told me that, it, that there was some inspiration from that. So those little things like that really helped me out because I use that all the time because I got a little, little, little secret here, but sometimes when you're running like the brand new Plasma, it gets a little squirrely, like on, a, on an update. So it's nice to be able to use that K runner and restart Plasma, you know, if it gets a little squirrely. And that doesn't happen all the time, but it's a nice thing to be able to just really quickly go in that. And it's a totally separate process. And, and so when you kill Plasma or whatever, you can very easily restart it. So you know, little things like that. Or, you know, if you're running the uh, K Organizer, Contact, KMail, sometimes that application or that suite, that whole suite of applications, the the database, sometimes it gets a little squirrely too. And so K runner, which I think is inspired by Unity, also helps to kind of clear up that issue pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. Their their, uh, paper cut initiative, that was great for everybody and everybody benefited from the work that they put into that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, um, I I don't think they get a lot of credit for that kind of stuff because that that was a focus on the desktop at a time when other companies had, let's just say the desktop wasn't a focus at all. Right. At the time. And I, I find... That contribution is a tremendous one that doesn't get played up enough. Another one, like for me personally, my my take is they made desktop Linux assess by making desktop Linux accessible to the again, I'm using this hyperbolically, um the the normies, they also it brought in a lot of fresh blood to the overall open source community.
1: Yeah, it absolutely did. Yeah, it made it so that you know, people who maybe just were dis, dis, just dissatisfied with their current situation could easily explore and and the installer is just so easy to use that it was a, you know, a great gateway into this world of open source software.
0: By doing that, that's a a way of marketing. And at a time when no one else was doing any type of marketing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That That is that a is. big thing because I don't think people understand like, the The iterations of like marketing and outreach and stuff that Canonical or the even uh, Ubuntu as a project has done, you know, the things where they were, they at one point were sending discs worldwide to if you just wanted one or they would. I remember at one point you could walk into a Best Buy and actually buy an Ubuntu OS disc right next to a Windows 7 at the time, uh, Windows 7 or Vista at the time. And you, you know, take your pick of and stuff like that mattered. It really did at the time, and they don't get a lot of credit for it.
1: Yeah, that that is absolutely true. That they do not get they do not get the credit for that, and they should. I mean, they they really did advance the uh, the push into you know, as you said, for normies, and even to this day. Even though I'm, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a fan of the OpenSUSE project. Unhealthily kinda, so. Kinda, I kind of keep it a secret. Um, I, don't, I don't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> but even even me, like I had some some relatives this past summer. They're just like asking me all these Linux questions, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? How how do you do these things? And you know, the, you know, younger younger cousins, you know, in the um twenties, I think, maybe teens. I don't know. I can't ever tell people's age. I was just a teenager five years ago, right? I, I I gave them a USB drive with Ventoy on it, and I put on Kubuntu, I put Tumbleweed on it. No, I put Leap on there. I think it was Leap, but and then another then Ubuntu proper so they could actually play with these different you know, distributions, but I I did lean heavier toward Ubuntu because I know that when they install it, they will have a good experience with Ubuntu, most likely. And they're not, they're not, you know, technologically impaired, Mm -hmm. but they are, you know, new to that, that whole area. So, I mean, if you want to try something new and, and, and experience something that kind of holds your hand along the way, and then gives you that opportunity to explore further and deeper, Ubuntu is a way to go. And, and also their, their updates, their update system is not broken at all. Here's something that I think that does not get enough appreciation. But when you update from one version of Ubuntu to another, it works. <laughs> it works well. There are some distributions that do not work when they uh when they update. Like they they break. that's what they always say, nuke and pave, nuke and pave. You don't have to nuke and pave with Ubuntu. Nope. And so I think mean, they don't get the credit for that. I mean, of course, you don't have to do with open either, but it's nice to see that they really took the time to make it work and make it work well they really that's that's another paper cut issue that they they just they smooth that sucker down and it it's great it's, it's in fact when you get you know go from lts to lts you know you don't get that first release of the lts they wait to the next point release mm-hmm. and it makes to make sure that their users have a good upgrade experience now if you're one of those you know people like to live on the uh the edge of a broken heart or a broken system i mean then you're gonna have you know you can you can upgrade quicker but it's nice to see that they really take the time to ensure that things that the experience is good with ubuntu and and they just they they work so hard at it and and i they do not get the credit they deserve for that so
0: and so i want to be clear besides my pop os machine i run nothing ubuntu based anymore and the pop os machine is more because i need it for the hardware not because i want pop os because i'm not a gnome guy so these perspectives are actual users outside of the ubuntu sphere like uh, nate is very open suse like he makes no <laughs> makes no issues about that i am very much in the arch, <laughs> I, i'm very much in the the arch camp for the most part these are outside viewers looking at the project and what we what is contributed to the overall community absolutely so, so if we can do that why can't the rest of the community that that has always been the sticking point, I think, because we'll bring up one thing: snaps.
1: Yeah, this one is boggles my mind. Like, like I can't. I hear the arguments. I've heard the arguments, and I I just cannot wrap my head around why people are upset about snaps. Like, I hear the arguments; they don't make sense. And I would I would love for somebody to really actually make a a an argument that is that is good enough for me to stop using snaps. Right now, I just I just look to see how many snaps I've installed on my OpenSUSE machine. Mm-hmm. Yes, I run snaps so in my OpenSUSE machine. Uh, I, I think when I have 52 snaps installed, oh, I, play with, I like to play with software, it's fun. Or I should say the 52 snaps, like snap modules, because some of those are support modules like you know the, um, the GNOME stack or whatever, GTK stack, the core and so forth. It is so convenient to have snaps on my system. So I don't know if you knew this, but sometimes your distribution may not have a packaged version of the application you want. Or maybe it's not a well a well-loved application, you could say, like not everybody, not not every community wants this thing. You know, there's, So there's some things like in, uh, in OpenSUSE that that do not exist, but do exist in the Snap store and make it very easy to install. And so mm-hmm. it's very nice to be able to take, like uh, Slack, for instance, there isn't, at least last time I checked, and it's been a while, there wasn't a version of Slack for OpenSUSE. So what do I do? Well, I install the Snap. It's really easy to install it. I, uh, PowerShell, I install PowerShell with a Snap. Very easy. Now, here's the other nice thing too because I do run a rolling distribution tumbleweed uh, when there are these massive updates, like where the, you know, like, like a lot of the base libraries are updated and kernel mm-hmm. and everything else. It has to, it, a lot of other things version as well. One of the biggest irritants and, and my, when I, when I distribution update is my Arduino IDE, because every time that thing gets an update, it's 700 megabytes that come, that get, get downloaded. So I do a, you know, a zipper update or zipper dup rather zipper distribution update to be clear, Make sure my words are correct. I have an issue where things don't necessarily like a, what takes a long time to update. So if I move some of those things over to the snap camp, although I'm sure some people would say, Oh, that's not safe. blah, whatever. Now it's very easy to like do a distribution update and not have to worry about updating everything else. Like not all my applications need to be updated because it's it run, it's kind of runs in that its own little runtime. Mm-hmm. So That makes, that makes my life a lot easier and a lot more efficient. Okay. Yeah. i the argument was like their their backend or whatever is not open source. Now I did read that if you wanted to run your own snap instance, that is a possibility. You can absolutely do that, and they won't stop you. And there are ways to make it work. So I guess if the reason nobody's done it is because the same reason that FlatHub now exists, because centralized in some instances works. How?
0: Yeah, but that centralization isn't open source.
1: Like so, here here's
0: my take: install OBS. That is generically. Just from the repos. If let's just say you're on Ubuntu, for argument's sake, install the repo version, then go install the snap version. You'll notice a whole lot more options in features? the snap features and functions that yep. have been added. Thank you, Martin Wimpress, by the way, to the OBS snap than there are on the default install on a pull down from the archives of an OBS.
1: I, now, since we, we talked about it today, uh, I haven't actually really used OBS much lately. I don't know if you could tell. I actually I just installed the OBS snap because there's something wrong with the NDI plugin on the OpenSUSE side. I don't know it's because of the, the, some version mismatches or whatnot. And I, frankly, I, I just don't want to deal with that. if That mm-hmm. makes any sense? Like, like, I can. There's only I only have so much time in my day, and do do I need to? Is you know, if I want to mess with something and I want to dig in and, and fix the problem, yes. I absolutely would find out what the problem is with the NDI plugin, maybe do some bug reports, but they didn't build an RPM for it. But I can install the snap, which gives me that NDI plugin. And then I can just use it and then I don't have to really, you know, dork around with it. And then I think that can, you know, that makes my my when I want to get something done go from zero to complete. If my mission is to get the job done, now I it's I have a much quicker path for that. And again, you know, Martin Winpress, I thank you for the work you put into OBS Studio for all of us. I mean, you, you took the time you as a member of the, of the, of the Ubuntu community took it upon yourself to make our lives easier. And I, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm.
0: Things that specifically like Martin have brought into the table is like the Ubuntu Mate of software boutique at a time when that wasn't a thing. People didn't think about the initial um in, install process and everything else, like software selection and all that stuff. Nobody thought about that. Oh, it's in the repo. Just install it later. Like first boot. Hey, look, here's a bunch of applications you might want. That, that, that little stuff is what I've found is what, Canonicals and Ubuntu's contribution as a community project too have been about it's thinking about some more of the little stuff. Like one of the best features in Unity is probably was probably the HUD. The best example anyone can ever give you: go use the menu system in GIMP by default, or do you hit Alt while you're in in GIMP and just type in what you need, so you don't you're not messing through nested menus. Ubuntu as a project, the the other major selling point I think has been the eyes that has brought been brought to Linux specifically. Now you can argue about oh well it's too specific to Ubuntu. What's been brought from a hardware support level though that's its biggest like if not just the fresh blood and the fresh ideas and all the other stuff. The hardware support that has been brought into it, you know, things like take your pick, you know, when Dell made its first, like, hey, we're gonna support Linux machines back in like '07. That that was like what Uh, 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 the Oe like major OEM hasn't done Linux support like that in you know seven years ever. I mean, well, you had like the initial Red Hat systems, but I'm not counting those. Um, That's what I said. Ever, yeah. So it's one of those things where. You, you look at it and it's like, they've made a lot of OEM deals. They've made a lot of hardware support possible. Um, companies that do target Linux, yes, they target Ubuntu, but the community finds ways to, to make it work on other, other versions. And it's generically, they find it's not that hard to make it work on other versions. I generically tend not to care if it's like Ubuntu specific support. I think Ubuntu really has contributed a lot more than people will ever give it credit for. It's just it was the po- It was the popular distro. It still is the most popular distro, despite what people say. Even if you want to say, "Oh well," distro watch, go look at distro watch at anything that is based on Ubuntu. So that means Mint. That means all the derivatives of Ubuntu. That means all the official flavors. It's still the biggest. Distro, It is. And that, that will grind people's gears to no end. That's just what it is. So for me, I love what Canonical has helped contribute, what Ubuntu from the project, that Canonical portion has brought in and what the community around Ubuntu has helped build as well, because it really is a collaborative effort. Now, like any project, yes, it does have its growing pains. Yes, it does have its issues. Yes, there is some stuff that you may or may not agree with. But that's any project,
1: right? Well, that, nothing's perfect. And, no. and I would say, and I think that's actually that's one of the beauties of the open source world too. Is it's nothing is perfect, so there's always a place to to grow and to do more and make it better. It's it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a journey. As it were, and and they are really, you know, captaining. That's not the right word, but they're they're, they're really at, you know, at the at the helm of the ship, really driving this thing and and making it better for everybody. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing.
0: So here's the question to the audience: What are some of the contributions you think Ubuntu has made to Linux as a whole?
2: This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords. The fact that Bitwarden is not only open source but has had third-party security testing done is one reason I have chosen to trust them with my passwords. On their blog, they have recently announced another third-party security review has been completed. They have the security assessment available for anyone to review. My favorite part of the report? And I quote, no exploitable vulnerabilities were discovered. Thank you, Bitwarden, for offering such a feature-rich password manager and making security checks a priority. You can get started with a free account by going to bitwarden.com DLN. Want to support this open source project and help them continue to conduct third-party security audits? That support starts at only $10 a year. Jump over to bitwarden.com DLN to learn more.
0: So speaking of contribution, more contributions, not just from Ubuntu, but Nate, what are some of the contributions you're looking to make to various areas of
1: your life currently? Well, one of the areas of my life that is getting a little bit rusty and old is my truck. I have a uh, 2001 Ford F-350. It's my primary mode of transportation. It's diesel. I like how it smells. I know that sounds weird. It's its an older truck. It's a retired. It was a retired farm truck I got some years back. And so it wasn't in the best of shape when I got it, but it came with a plow and I bought it for 6,500 bucks. So I got a good deal on it with the plow. And anyway, it needed some things and I, I've done a lot of work to it. But one of, the thing, one of the things that's happened because of the ravages of Michigan's snowy, icy weather is road salt and road salt basically eats away, you know, at the metal on the, on the truck. And the other reality is you, you cannot go one quiet night, you know, like a, a, during a quiet summer's night, you can hear a Ford rusting someplace. In Michigan. So uh my truck, the the truck bed is is not doing well. It's um uh, requires a ratchet strap to kind of keep the sides in, you know like to kind of hold it tight now. And it's just it's not good. And, and I like today I was hauling firewood in it, like a whole truckload of firewood, and it's, it's okay as long as it's you know the ratchet straps on there, but it's just you know, it's just not a safe setup. So I have been looking for a new truck bed for my truck. It sounds really unexciting, but I'm going to be removing the old truck bed, you know, off of it, and then I'm going to rewire the entire back because when I when I put trailer light hookup in there. The, the wires are starting to get the green rot. The, the insulation is getting brittle, which means it cracks, which means you get more contaminants in there, which means it's eventually going to, the lights are going to stop working eventually. So the truck is what 20 years old now. It's time for a new bed and it's time for a new wiring harness. And I'm, I'm looking to get that done. When when the, uh, when the weather gets a little bit nicer out, like when I'm not, when I don't have to fight the road salt, I'm going to be taking the truck bed off. The new one I get, it'll probably be beat up and old. In fact, what I'm looking at is beat up and old, but not rusty. I'm going to uh, kind of undercoat it rhino liner it and then make it so it's i can work with the truck you know i don't need a truck to be pretty you know i'm old and not pretty so a truck that's old and not pretty is just fine and uh, i want to be able to like haul stuff in it haul firewood haul building supplies gravel rocks mulch whatever whatever it takes so i can you know use the truck without having to keep a ratchet strap the whole thing together and uh, i'll probably kind of go for like the more rustic kind of utility looking vehicle nothing pretty so I'll probably paint it like a flat, like pewter gray or something like that. The whole thing, but uh, but yeah, that's that's what I have going on. I'll be doing some some calling around and, and see what I can find, so I can secure it and put it in, uh, put it in a garage or barn or something until the, the weather kind of breaks.
0: I was expecting an open suzuki green. Just saying. Uh,
1: no, that'll be instead of the Ford logo on the front, I'm gonna put a chameleon uh, um, over the blue oval, just because I think that will be fun. <laughs>
0: Why, why is it I can expect you to have like uh, a plushie hanging from the mirror kind of deal?
1: Oh, I don't do that because I, that I, I might if I'm driving, I might just start looking at it and then I'll, I'll drive into something and that would not be good. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, because when you have a plow in the front of your truck and you hit somebody with it, it's not really going to affect me very much, but it will affect somebody else. And I don't want to infringe on somebody else's uh, road liberties. <laughs> <laughs> So, Matt, what exciting things do you have going on? Are you going to enable me to uh, look at something else on the internet game wise? Uh, it
0: depends. It depends on what <laughs> you consider a quote unquote retro system. Um, so, I've been put, going through my backlog of games, which is absurd. So, I've been playing some PS3 games, and one of them is Persona 4 Arena, which is a fighting game, it's a 2D fighting game that is based around the persona 4 games. The persona 4 game like the the initial game is a Japanese RPG. So the games that I am now playing continue that story but in a completely different genre. So now we're in fighting game territory. And it's just one of those games where it plays a lot like the classic, you know, Super Nintendo kind of games and it just it feels good to play. It, hmm. It's it's really weird. Uh, if you've ever played some of the old um, King of Fighters or some of the old uh, uh, old Guilty Gear games, uh, but if you played any like the old you know Super Nintendo fighting games, that's the kind of the aesthetic vibe that I get from it, as well as kind of like the gameplay mechanic side, but with kind of like a you know more fast so, paced feel to it.
1: So is it so when you say fighting games, is it more like a all right, because you're gonna have to probably go back a little further for me. Um, uh, street, no, maybe another couple think, years. Think, like think Street Fighter.
0: Think Street Fighter Two, the original. Okay, all right. But with a, with a more fast pace to it, not like uber okay. fast paced, but like technology fast pace. So like you know, instead of whatever we got back in like the Super Nintendo days for like FPS. Put it at like a 720p 30 instead, and that's kind of what you get for for a frame rate kind of deal. But the, the character okay. design and that stuff is something that I love because I'm a, I'm not gonna lie. I, if there's one other series I'm a fanboy for besides Final fantasy like certain versions of Final Fantasy, it's gonna be Persona. I am a big Persona fan because they focus on story, and okay these game these games came out, oh God, almost eight years ago, and they were one of the. F- first fighting games that i remember playing besides maybe injustice that had solely focused on story and that to me is always amazing to to see and so this is on the ps3 you i do not know if it works with the the ps3 emulator don't know don't care i play it on actual hardware so for me i i'm i'm all about it it's been a fun experience and i i I love it I'm not the great. Uh, so, as much as I rag on Ryan for you know being bad at video games, <laughs> Ryan, in this particular case, don't feel bad because i te- I love fighting games, but I'm terrible at them.
1: So I'm not. I think uh, Super Smash Brothers for the Switch is probably the only real fighting game I play these days. But you know, it doesn't really have story at all. It's just a it's just a fighter. Mm-hmm. And there there was a we'll go back a few few more years. So back to the 80s. So we have to rewind another <laughs> three years or so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad at math there was a game called Karatika I think it was called I think that's what it was, how it's pronounced for the Commodore 64 it was a fighting game where you basically more like the I, I guess it might be a precursor to like the double dragon style of fighting games except you couldn't really pick up any weapons but you go you're, you're this fighter and you have to go rescue the girl you know and you, you fight all the henchmen and then you gotta fight the main boss and he's his, his eagle or bird or vulture or whatever it is that comes at you I, I can't tell and so I, I was kind of envisioning that as kind of a it has, it has a good story uh you know just just text, you know obviously there's not a whole lot of speech synthesis in nineteen eighty whatever but um but yeah no, I, I think a good fighting game with good good stories' it's like it's, I think a good story is what really I think kind of keeps you into the game, you know it it carries you through when the the fun aspect can kind of come and go, or like you know when you, when you get kind of used to it, you know what I mean how like the it's that that arc of a game when you accomplish how to use it versus the um you know the when the new discoveries become less. Has yeah. so become more of a master of it. Anyway, so I I think that that's a story kind of helps you through those things. Big reason why I like downloadable or additional content. It makes those kind of experiences even more fun. I would say you know to, when you when you get into the game and whatnot. But yeah, I'm not familiar with this game at all. It sounds fun. I have a PlayStation Three, a real PlayStation Three, on my gaming rack that I built last year, and uh, it just got and it it gets continual uh, continual usage. But
0: like you, I do have I have the Fat Boy PS3. So. If
1: you're a fan of that
0: kind of stuff, generically, I think you can pick them up for like fifteen dollars, like the like the best version. They're not like super expensive, so that was, just saying, you know, if you want something to try,
1: oh, it's a good suggestion. I mean, uh, is it? I, I like the the artwork that they use for it. I like that. I don't know if it's like what that's called. Is that an anime? Yeah, it's um, like an, an anime art style. Yeah. I, I like that style. I, I didn't always like that style, but I think some do it very well and some don't, but I think that's done. I I like I like the way they do it. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at destinationlinux.network. For more information on where you can find me, you can go to com. Links to my regular written Blatherings podcast and YouTube channel can be found there. You can find my random
0: ramblings on Twitter at Matt DLN. And Wendy will eventually find a social network that will let her do stuff on it. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of DL Extent. Until then, have a great week, everybody.